Okay, good morning. The share should be today for a complete refuah shlema for Maya Tzivya Baslor and Hadar, who's undergoing surgery this morning. Should be a refuah shlema for her and for all holy songs. Chayas Rakeda Basan Tzipora, Eitam Moshe Chaim Benesser, Chaim Levin Arayal, and Dumoshe Chava, and for Eilin Shemakha Kamei Shavanez and Tzivya Son Basmirah. Okay, Shemakha Chaim Benit Arifka. Okay, so we are now on Ches Amar Beis. We are uh two four six about um six lines up from the uh, end of the narrow lines and just a, a bit of housekeeping yesterday we spoke about the two different luchos the first luchos that were broken and the second luchos that were not broken and obviously the second luchos were housed in the in the aron that Betsalo built the, the Shivrei Luchos were housed in the Aron that Moshe built, and they didn't come together until the Beis HaMikdash. And the reason for that is that they always took the Shivrei Luchos, the shards of the first Luchos, to war with them. Once, but it never traveled once the Beis HaMikdash came. So they only rested together in the same Aron once the Beis HaMikdash came. Okay, that was just to finish up from yesterday. Okay, so we started discussing three statements from Yeshua ben Levi. Now we're going to discuss three statements from... Rava, Amar Lehut, second to last word on the line, two, four, six lines up in the narrow lines. Amar Lehut, Rava, Libanei. So Rava tells his children the following. Kishatem chotchem basar, we started this yesterday. When you go ahead and you slice meat, don't cut the meat while it's still in your hand. Rather, put it on the table when you cut it. For two reasons. Ikadami, those who explain the reasoning behind Rava's statement and advice to his children, Mishum Sakana, you might go ahead and slice accidentally your hand, cut your finger, or, Vika da Amri, Mishum Kilkul Suda. You may go ahead and disgust the people at the Suda if they see blood dripping from your hand. So, uh, a word to the wise, put it on a cutting board. Number two, similarly, said to them, Al Teshu Al Mitas Aramis. Do not sit on an Armenian bed. The Gemara will have three possibilities what that means. We'll get back to that in a second. And do not pass by a shul while they are davening. Meaning, don't walk by, and the Gemara has explained what this means as well, but there's different possibilities what this means. We'll get to that in a second, and what the reason behind this, this statement is. So now, to explain and explore a little further, what did he mean when he said, don't sit in an Armenian bed? Don't go to sleep without saying Kriyashma because then you're like a non-Jew, basically. If you're not giving thanks to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, then that makes your bed almost like that of a non-Jew. You're not giving thanks to a Kaddish Baruch Hu before you go to sleep. That is the comparison. There are those who say, It means do not marry a Gioras. We'll have to see what this means a little bit. But do not marry a Gioras. And the third one is, it means literally don't sit on an Armenian bed. Why? What would the actual simple definition mean if, it, if it's just what it sounds like, don't sit in an Armenian bed? Because of the following incident that happened to Rapapa, the Rapapa, also the Gabe Ramis, um, so Rapapa went actually to a Armenian woman. There's a story behind this, we'll get to in a second. She took out a bed. She said, Shave, sit down on this bed. Amar Lois, he responded to her, I'm not going to sit on this bed until you lift it up and show me what's underneath. He, she lifted up the bed or the clothes on the bed. It was hiding a, a dead child. This would have been the first blood libel, right, recorded in the Gemara, right? She wanted to accuse him of sitting and killing the baby. 
From here, the Chachamim say that one is not allowed to go ahead and to sit on an Armenian bed. Happens to be that Rav Nisim Gaon explains the story a little bit more, and he says that there was, Rav Papa loaned money to an Armenian person, and when it came time to collect his debt, they wanted to go ahead and incriminate him and bring him up on charges to get out of their debt, to absolve themselves of the debt. So they framed him, and therefore, since we can't trust him, trust these people, because of the story that happened here, she tried to frame it by putting a dead body under the clothes, and he would sit on the clothes, and she would say, you murdered a baby, therefore we do not go ahead and sit on these beds. Now, let's just um, go by into these reasons a little bit, explanations a little bit deeper. What is the first one? The first one, it says that you can't go ahead and go to sleep at night without saying Kriya Shema. So we already know that we discussed in Daf Dalid that um, Kriya Shema on, on the Mita serves a few purposes. But I want, to, I want to bring to you a Rashi. Rashi in Parsha's Bilam discusses when Balak asks Bilam, he engages him, solicits him to go ahead and curse B'nai Israel. Eventually he says, I can only do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells me to do. And eventually he winds up blessing B'nai Israel, gives a bracha. And part of the bracha is, Hain am yakum. They're like a people, referring to B'nai Israel, says, says Bilam. They're, they're people that rise like a lioness. say They leap up like a lion. Lo yishkav ad yochal taref. They do not rest until they feast on their prey. Vidam chalolim yishta. And they drink the blood of the slain. Rashi actually says there on the Pasuk, this is referring to B'nai Israel. Listen to what Rashi says. Lo yishkav. They do not go to sleep. Al balayla al mitaso. They don't go to sleep at night on their bed. Atu ochel umechabel kol mazika balatarfo. Until the Jews go ahead and they destroy anyone who comes to harm them, they go ahead and retaliate. Ketzad. How do we do this? Kore Shmal Mitaso, says Rashi. Rashi says, we read Shema, the Kriyat Shema, umafkid rucho biyad hamakom, and we go ahead and we give over our neshamas to HaKadosh Baruch Hu every night. Bo machne v'gayis lazikam, if an army of soldiers would try to harm us at night while we're asleep, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shormum v'nilcham milchamosam umapilam chalalim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes ahead and defends us and causes casualties. Now remember, it, we, we spoke about in the past, a really, really beautiful marsha. We say in, in Adon Olam every morning, afkid ruchi. In your hands, we go ahead and give over our neshamas. What's afkid? From the word pikadon. Pikadon is a object that you give over, right? We talks about the shomrim. You hand over a pikadon, an object. Why do we say? What, what's the purpose of saying it's a pikadon? So when it comes to mankind, <clears throat> if I was to give laser my cell phone, <clears throat> not to be choshesh laser, but chances are, if I give it to my at 90%, it might come back, he doesn't actually have a smartphone, Baruch Hashem, but let's just say, if I gave him anything, it would go down to 80%. The person will probably use it, it'd come back with a scratch, a niche, uh, a nick, it would be used, it, would, it wouldn't look new. When we give up, we give our neshamas to HaKadosh Baruch Hu every morning, it comes back re-energized, comes back completely refreshed, full battery charged. <clears throat> so it's an amazing thing that I give it to you when I sleep and I give it to you when I wake up, I'm giving it a Shema, not an iPhone, not on some technology, a, a basketball to watch, which comes back a little bit used and a little more, uh, uh, you know, has a little more worn out. Thank you. Here we give it on a Shema, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives it back refreshed. It's unbelievable. That's the Lashon, that's what's unique about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We give him Pikadon, so to speak, and it comes back in a much, much better state than when we handed it to him. What does refreshed mean? Not necessarily. Refresh that we have more energy and more to do more avodas Hashem. In other words, that we have the energy back halavar that if we go to sleep every night, but then there'd be no everyone would go ahead and be you know. No, s- not, you're, you're not but, them, they go into a, a bank. Yeah. Okay. 
but I'm saying as far as the, the, the energy back, if you give something else, it's usually a little more worn out. Here we go ahead and we have our full kochos in the morning. We also saw the Gemara Brachos. We quoted, we already saw this in Brachos, even though someone goes ahead and says, what, What's the source of this? What's the reason we say Kriyat We saw the Pasuk. Be silent, don't sin. Say in your hearts, don't and we saw that Rashi interpreted Imru Bilvavchem in your hearts. Go ahead and say what is Kasuv Al Livavecha, what's referring to Kriyashma, Al Mishkavchem, when you go to sleep, Vidomu, and then go ahead and go to sleep. We're not really supposed to talk after you say Berchasamapa. After you say Kriyashma, you are not supposed to talk. And we saw, oh, lastly, <coughs> the power of saying Kriyashma. We saw in Berchas Davhei, Amr Abisa Kalakari, Kriyashma Al Mitaso, Kilu Ochez Cherv Shel Shtepios Biodo. He's carrying a double edged sword. And this is why, because Mazik and Bedilimimenu, we go ahead and we remove all of the, those who seek harm. So that was the first interpretation of what it means to don't sit on a, on a bed of an Aramis. <clears throat> I want to discuss the second possibility. It's a little um, off-putting at first when you say, it says, don't marry a Gioris. You should not marry a convert. Now we know we have many, 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 many righteous converts. In fact, Boaz, Boaz married Rus. Yeshua married... Rachav, Rachav was a Gioris, right? <clears throat> and obviously, uh, Boaz married Rus. Although, it's, even though they were Geros, Sidkanios, it's not necessarily a rye for them because they also had Ruach HaKodesh. Moshe, right? So there, there are those people, but so a different interpretation is not a blanket statement necessarily not to marry Gioris. Rava was a Kohen. And we know that a Kohen is not allowed to go ahead and marry Gioris. So this was really an admonition, a reminder to his children. <clears throat> Say again? Not even a child. Over three. We'll, get, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. So now. So now. So the Sefer Achinuch says as follows. There's, there's, we'll get to that in a second. It says in the mitzvah of, let's just talk about a couple interesting shilas when it comes to a, uh, to a ger, a convert. First of all, how many times does the Torah warn us to go ahead and treat the, the convert uh, nicely? 22. So actually, the the Torah and Bar Metzia says 36 times. Some say, and the Gemara the Gemara also says, some say 46 times, but the Sefer Chinuch brings over here, as well as the Tosav Kedushin, it says it's 24 times. So, not necessarily all of them are mitzvahs, it just mentions the word ger to remind us that we were once kiger, we too were once sojourners, we were once strangers in a foreign land, and therefore we should take extra, extra uh, special care, TLC, when it comes to handling. So it's either 46, 36, or 24. In any event, Mitzvah Samach Gimel, Mitzvah uh, 63 in the Sefer HaChinuch discusses the Yisrael Losonu Ger, you're not allowed to distress, cause any distress to a, to, a, to a Ger, to a convert. Now we know there's also a Mitzvah in 338, Mitzvah 338, that we're also not allowed to go ahead and cause distress to a fellow Yid. And the Gemara discusses there, what are some examples of what, what it means to verbally distress someone, to cause someone verbal distress, verbally cause someone distress. So before I get into that, the Sefer Chinuch says, why if we're not allowed to go ahead and to dis- cause distress verbally to another Jew, why do I need this added prohibition specifically to a Ger? Remember, once a Ger converts, he's a full-fledged Jew. So he falls under the general Isser that I'm not allowed to go ahead and cause distress to a fellow Jew. Why do I need a second one? Says the Sefer Chinuch, two reasons. He says, Hosif We went ahead and gave us a second one, meaning on top of the general Isser to go ahead and distress a Jew for two reasons. Jew has relatives who could defend him. When, when a non-Jew converts, becomes Jewish, 
he loses all of his relatives. So there's no one to come and defend him. And number two, he says, We're afraid that since he's so fresh, so to speak, from changing teams and becoming Yid, <clears throat> that the memories of being a, a non-Jew are so vivid in him that we're, if, you act, uh, if you treat him, mistreat him, he's going to go back to his old ways. So we never want to sort of push a person out once it converted to say, you know what, this was a mistake. So for those two reasons, there's an additive, so the Torah goes out of the way. So the Minchas Chinuch asks the following question. He says, <clears throat> and I'm going to just tell you some of the examples that w- what we're not supposed to say. The Mishnah Bar-Mitziah Daf says as follows, Daf Numchas says as follows. What are some examples that you can't say to, uh, to distress other fellow Jews? Kishimsha Onob and Mekachomemkar, just as we're not allowed to go ahead and cause... And, raise the prices, so to speak, and cause distress in financial things, there's a concept of also by saying things. You should not walk into a store, and we're all guilty of this, knowing that you're not going to buy it, but you ask the merchant, the seller, how much is this beautiful sweater? You walk into a store, Saks Fifth Avenue, where every jacket blazer there is $3,000, and you ask the, the store clerk, how much is this? And he says $3,000, and you had no havamin of, of ever spending that kind of money. So you really shouldn't do that. That's what the Mishnah says. It goes on to say, as well, <clears throat> if you're speaking to a Balchuva, the Mishnah says, Do you remember you used to go to McDonald's? How, how does that taste? You're not supposed to go in and do that. If he's a convert, Remember what you did before you converted. You know, you used to go to church on Sunday. You should never go in and do that. Because the Pasuk says, The Pasuk in Shemo says, You should not go in distress. We learned that means don't oppress him financially. But means with words. The Gemara says, continues. And listen what it says here. It says, Don't go. And he says one more thing. He says, If you are... If you are a, um, a, a ger, and a ger comes to you, and he wants to learn Torah, Just the other day, you were eating treif and chazer, and now with the same mouth, you want to do holy things? You should never say that. So all these fall under the general concept of distressing a fellow Jew. Similarly, it says that if you know that someone needs, let's say they have to feed their donkey hay, and you say, yeah, yeah, I think around the corner there's a farm there that's offering free hay, and you know it's not, you're giving false advice that also falls under, under this category. Comes to Menchaz and asks as follows, I'm not allowed to go ahead and mistreat and verbally distress a, a convert. What about the child of a convert? <clears throat> How far does it extend down? So he says, that, and presumably this question is only if you're the convert of two parents who converted. Child. The child of two parents who converted. If one of your parents already was from, from birth and your other parent converted and then you were born, it doesn't apply to that. Based on what you guys are arguing on, based on the following rule in Evan Ezer. Evan Ezer says as follows. Normally, a, a, um, obviously a Kohen cannot marry a, a Gioras. What about, listen to what it says here. What happens if a, a ger married a gioris and they had a daughter? So you have two converts, a man and a woman converted together, now they have a child, says the Shulchan Aruch. Their child, who's a full-fledged Jew, right? You have two convert parents, she should not marry, he, sorry, should not marry, she should not marry a Kohen. Even the granddaughter now, you should really not, the uh, gioris, 
should really, the children, the offspring, even a few generations down, the Chatrila, should not marry Bas Cohen. Even though she's a full fledged Jew. This is two, three generations later. That's If she went ahead and married, don't go ahead and force them to annul the marriage. But if this daughter who married a Kohen has even one parent, says the Shulchan Aruch, who was a from from birth, FFB, for lack of a better term, So we see then, in that case, the, the, the Kohen can marry this, this daughter of the converts, basically showing that if you at least have one parent who's a convert, the normal halachas don't apply. So, the Minchas Chinuch says, I'm not talking about if you have one of the parents who's a convert. But what if you have both parents who are a convert? No, no, back to our case. Now, you're not allowed to marry a Kohen. Perfect. Does that mean also because they have the status of a, of, of, of a convert, the children? Lechatchila. correct. Lechatchila. But if you do, does, does the you guy don't go, lose his, his no, no, status? No, 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 no. Did he have it? No, he, he stayed, you can, it's Lechatchila, you should not marry. We're talking about generations later. In the, in the even the other case, even the other case, they use it in case of rope. If, if you have a steak that flies into nine kosher steaks, that's trade. All right, there's rope and yeah, big, big. It's con- permitted. The other case is permitted, but it's not. Okay, it's frowned upon. Correct. We don't. We, exactly. we so the question is, what about causing distress now? So the Minchas Chinuch says, what about if you have a child of two parents now, who both converted? Again, if we have one parent who's a full-fledged Jew, of course it applies, just like everything else. Because then already they lose the status, so to speak. But meaning that you're allowed to, the Bas Cohen can marry the Cohen. Right? The, the, the Bas Ger can marry the Cohen if you have one parent. Now you have one parent who's from, we're not discussing that, was born from. What if both parents converted? And, my st- and this, Jew, this son, the offspring now is a full fledged Jew. Does the additional Isser of stress, not causing stress, apply to him? Says the Minchasin, on the one hand, let's see. The reason why he gave, the Sefer Achina gave for this concern is A, he has no one to defend him. Does this child who has two from parents now have someone that can defend him? Yes. And the other one is that they're going to wind up going back. They're so close to the process of being a non-Jew, they're going to go back. He was born Jewish. This child was born Jewish now. Right? Both parents converted. And then, so on the one hand, maybe say it doesn't apply. But ultimately it says, the Pasuk says, ger. It doesn't delineate, stipulate certain conditions. It says a ger, and therefore any ger, he says, even a generation later of two full-fledged, meaning parents who both converted, it still applies because the Torah doesn't go ahead and, and be mechalic between different types of gerb. One half full, therefore it should apply no matter what. Another question. This also applies if the mother is Jewish but the father is a guy. Right. Correct, correct. Correct. So now... But the child's a Jew, but still child's not Correct, correct. Wrong. Next question. By Gioris, we know that we have a mitzvah to go ahead and prove The first mitzvah stated in the Torah, prove You have to procreate. What is the mitzvah? The Gemara Yivama says to have a boy and a girl. Everyone has to have a boy and a girl. You're Yosei the mitzvah. Rachman Litzlan, if someone loses a child, he has to go ahead and, ref- and, go ahead and complete the mitzvah again. Meaning, the mitzvah of prove that we have upon us, not upon women, but upon men, to go ahead and have prove to procreate, the mitzvah is completed when you have one boy and one, one girl, a son and a daughter. If, if you go ahead and you now, one of the children dies, Rahman Litzlan, and you now, you have to, and you're just left with, it, let's say, one of the children, then you have to go ahead and complete the mitzvah unless they are children. You can fulfill the mitzvah from the grandchildren. Again, each one had to have had a child. 
And then, even if you lose the middle generation, God forbid, you can still, you still fulfill the mitzvah through your grandchildren. The, the, the reason is to continue the offspring, to continue the lineage. Question is, if a Gioris has children, a Gioris has children, and they convert, and they convert when the children are already born, and the children convert, assume, assume the children convert with them. The parents convert, they already had their children. Did they fulfill the mitzvah of Pru or Vu? Yes. And not related to this. No, no, no. So the, the mitzvah is, they, they do fulfill the mitzvah. And not related to those the question is, the question is, why? The question is, why? Why would we say, so Shlomo has a valid question. We just said that you're not related to them anymore. How do you fulfill the mitzvah? But they convert at the same time as you. Let's assume, let's assume they convert at the same time. So the Turei Evan says, uh, this, the halach is that you're Yotzeh the mitzvah. They do not have to go ahead and refill, go ahead and complete the mitzvah again. So the Turei Evan, Rosh Hashanah, and Daf asks as follows, I don't understand. We know that if you fulfill a mitzvah at a time when you're not obligated, and then the time comes back where you're obligated, the, the obligation falls upon you, and you have to fulfill the mitzvah. Example, if someone is in a state of complete insanity on Sukkot, and, sh- and you're Pater, right? You show Pater. Whatever, let's say he's, he has mental issues and he's off his medications, he's in a complete state of delirium, insanity, he doesn't know today from tomorrow, and someone puts in his hand, and he shakes a lulav. And then Baruch Hashem, he gets his medication, and he feels better six, seven hours later, he's back to his normal self, Baruch Hashem, Joe Shmo, you're back to yourself. Does he have to go ahead and shake lulav again? Of course. Because now the chiyuv sets in, he was never obligated back then, so now when, the exemption, when it comes back, he has to go ahead and do the mitzvah again. Says the Turi Evans, so why is this different than Puravu? At the time when he was a non-Jew before he converted, he had children, he wasn't obligated in Puravu. Puravu was not one of the seven mitzvahs b'nei noach. So there was no chiv. Now that he converted, he's chayev. Yes, yeah, so he had children before he converted. Who cares? He wasn't, what? But you see from the fact that if a person's child dies later in life, they have to have another, that the mitzvah is not satisfied Beautiful. the child is born. Beautiful, thank you, beautiful. Excellent, we get to, that's the answer. Beautiful. So basically, the Minchas Chinuch is mechalik between a result-oriented mitzvah and an action-oriented mitzvah. There are some mitzvahs that we do that have a result and it's result-driven. Others are action-driven. So in that example of the lulav, after the person shook the lulav and then he comes back to his normal cognitive state seven hours later, is there any remnant of that mitzvah that's still present now once he's a chai of obligated mitzvah again, that should exempt him. The answer is no. He shook a little seven hours ago. There's nothing, there's nothing to grab onto now. As Shlomo says, but this mitzvah, if after he converted, there's still children there. What's the purpose? <clears throat> Excuse me. What's the purpose of having children? To have children, not just the act of procreation, but to continue the Messorah and the lineage and so on and so forth, to teach the next generation. You still have that in this scenario. So that's exactly what Shlomo is saying. It's correct. The point is that children are still here. In fact, Rav Moshe Feinstein in Igros Moshe says part of the mitzvah of Pru or Vu is actually taking care of the children, raising them financially, physically, uh, um, and, and educating them until they're able to fend for themselves. As evident from the fact that if you have a child and then, God forbid, lose that child and you only had one child, you know, two children, a boy and a girl, you have to go ahead and Re, you know, re, re, redo that mitzvah. Obviously, if the act was just having the children, just an action-oriented mitzvah, who cares if they were, God forbid, die? You did the mitzvah. The answer is no. This is a result-driven mitzvah. Therefore, the fact that after you convert, the children are still there, 
that's why you don't see the mitzvah. And Moshe says, and that's exactly why part of the mitzvah is chinuch, part of them is making sure that they're able to live till they have children. And if that means, you know, taking care of them financially, uh, physically, until they're able to go ahead and fend for themselves, that's all part of the mitzvah. No, no, that's a separate issue. No, they're in a they're in a but they're not related. But it's still, you still fulfill the mitzvah. In case of the, uh, the no, no, say again. Okay, so that's it. Getting onto, we'll get to that. Mitzvah tzrichas kavan or not? Okay, so this is a very, 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 very big topic. We'll have to spend a couple of days on this when we get to there. Do mitzvahs need kavana? The halacha we pask in in Siman Samech Halchus Kriyas Shema. The Magen Avraham says that any time for a mitzvah, a seimin Torah, for anything daraisa, he holds you need for darabon, and you don't necessarily need. <clears throat> no one's going to say that it's not good to do. Obviously, you should have kavana, but you know we rely. There's a I believe it's a chayyadam that says that any time you do a mitzvah that's out of the ordinary, that's in the fact that you're doing it is kavana itself. In other words, if it wasn't for the fact that it was sukkahs. On a date September, would you go ahead and gather a lemon-looking uh, fruit, a palm, uh, you know, a palm frond, and uh, and three myrtle branches and two of us? I mean, the fact that you're doing it is obviously for the mitzvah. We rely on that a lot because not all of us have kavana when we do certain mitzvahs. So the certain mitzvahs that, if not for the fact that it was doing that mitzvah, you would never do it. Now you could say eating, maybe eating a cracker on the fifteenth of Nisan at night. Maybe we would eat a cracker at night, a matzah. So, but the fact there's certain mitzvahs that are so out there. That if it wasn't for the fact it was a mitzvah, you wouldn't be doing it. Maybe we can rely on that, that that's enough of a, of a kavana. But you're right. There's no question. Correct. So there, there's that mitzvah, or he's not, that he's not. He has to do it again. He's not yotze because there he didn't have kavana. It's a daraisa, though. Right? In the first day, of, in the first day it's a daraisa. That was an example that you had. Correct. Correct. You would have to go back and do it. Correct. Correct. Does it change if Sukkot ended? In other words, Sukkot, he'd ha- he's in delirium comes over. He has no obligation anymore. Correct. But that's did, did he get credit for the... No. That's a separate thing we'll discuss that also. That's, how do you define a mitzvah sashishas mangrama? A mitzvah mangrama is something that what you're saying basically... Let me ask you a question. If I don't go ahead and we're getting a little off topic but very quickly it's a good question. If you don't blow shofar this year in Rosh Hashanah and I make it up next year am I making it up or do I get credit for the year before or just that year? So once the time passes you missed it. You missed it. Take, for example, a different mitzvah like that. In other words, if I miss shofar in 2023 and I blow 2024, I don't get mitzvah for 2023 and 2024. I already missed 2023. As a different example, take bris milah. If I don't go in and do bris milah, Gemara and Kedushan Tavchav test discusses what's the source of bris milah. It says, because Avram was commanded, So Tosa says, why do I need a, a pasuk to teach me that? I should know that women are exempt from mitzvah uh, milah. Because the mitzvah sasei mangrama. So Tosas gives two answers there, but the multiple answers why Mila is not a mitzvah sasei mangrama. And to your point, Ed, if I don't go ahead and do bris Mila on my child on day eight, but I do do it on day nine, is it a separate mitzvah or is it the same mitzvah that I didn't do a day before? In that case, it's the same mitzvah. I merely suspend the mitzvah from day eight to day nine. But as opposed to, let's say, lulav, if I don't do it year one, it's a separate mitzvah. So, that, so in that case... That's a mitzvah shishma grama. A classic case is lulav. Therefore, once I miss it, it's gone. So even if a person wakes up out of his delirium state the day after, he th- cannot fulfill that mitzvah anymore. Even if, the, if there was no reason to suspend it? 
Yeah, you, right. So it's not bismana. There, there was no sakana. There was nothing. Right. They you could have done it on day right. eight. Well, you, do right. still... you should have done it. Right. It's, right. it's not. It's not mitzvah and a mufchar to, to, to not do bismana, but still the same mitzvah. It's still the same mitzvah. There's a lot of reasons why the Rishash has an unbelievable reason why Mila is not a mitzvah. She's not grama. He says because there's someone in the right. You know, on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, everyone's blown shofar. Today, is there anywhere in the world that there's a chiyuv of shofar? No. But there's always Baruch Hashem, and should continue, that there's always a day somewhere in the world that someone's chayv in Mila. So in other words, right? And this is the Tosfos Rid. The Tosfos Rid says there, because the, the, the purpose of giving a bris Mila is not actually to give the Mila, to ensure that your child gets gemalt. And therefore, you can call the, 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 the mall at 2 a.m. It's not a mitzvah, it's because it's not bound by time, or by night or day, when you call. Anyway, we'll get to all these topics in Mitzvah Hashem in due time. Okay, just to continue. So, <clears throat> the Gemara continues. Okay, so we spoke about the three possibilities, and then we said Rav Amar Levan of Rav the third statement that Rav said to a statement Val Tavru Achori Beisakneses Bishosha Tzibur Mesfalin. Don't walk behind the shul when a shul is davening when the tzibur is davening. And as a proof, Misayele Rabbi Yeshua Le Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi the Amar Yeshua Ben Levi Aser Lo Adam a person is prohibited Shiyavur Achori Beisakneses from walking behind the shul Bishosha Tzibur Mesfalin. When the tzibur is mispalim, because if you pass by and don't enter the shul at that time, <clears throat> it looks like that you are a kofer, that you are denying the existence of a kaddish baruch Hu, and you're being mivaza and you're disgracing a kaddish baruch Hu's name. So it's better not to go ahead and walk by a minion when the, and, you know walk by shul during uh, shachris and shabbos morning, <clears throat> and not go in. So avoid doing that. However, there are some qualifications. Amar ba'evilo amran. That's assuming that you're walking by the shul and there's only one entrance. So if there's one entrance, everyone's going to assume, oh my gosh, Hillel Cohen walked by the shul on Shabbos. He's, he's dressed, but he decided not to come in. There's only one, there's only one uh, entrance way. But if everyone knows there's a second entrance way, and most likely he's going to go into the second doorway, so you're not going ahead and stirring up any, uh, any rumors or any uh, you know, uh, negative sentiment that you're not walking to shul, it is not a problem. He says also... Says Lo Arman and This is also assuming that there's no other shul in town. If passing by this shul and, and not entering, but I still am on the way to another shul, why would people assume he's not going to shul? He'll just say there's a kiddush in the other shul. Why would anyone not come to BRS on Shabbos morning? It has to be the, something unique in the other shuls. Otherwise, everyone in Boca and, and the surrounding communities will be coming to BRS. But if there's no other shul, then, then Rava's statement applies. Lo Arman, he says the last thing. He says, Or the other possibilities are, assuming that you're not running, because if you're running, that shows that you are going somewhere with a purpose. You're not just not coming to shul. You're obviously running somewhere. You're in the middle of a, of a task. Or, or you're carrying a burden. If you're obviously carrying a lot of uh, boxes, maybe just assume he's going to the uh, Kela Mikvah. In other words, there's a reason he's not, not coming to shul because he's kofi, he's denying Hashem existence. He has another purpose. Or you, you're not wearing tefillin. <clears throat> Meaning, if you're wearing tefillin and you have another minion to go to, no one's going to assume, how's he being a kofer? He's wearing tefillin. You tell me he's, he's denying Hashem's existence. He's wearing tefillin. So in these three instances, this iser does not apply. If you have any of these three, less lanba, there's no chashash for not coming into shul. Weiter. For running, though, <coughs> we said we should be running to shul. Running so, to shul. So if we're supposed to be running to shul, then if we're running around past shul, then it does look like we're not going that we're... Uh... No, we assume that he says that if, if it's obvious that you're involved in something, you're not just, you know, walking by uh, for casually a stroll, casually, casually speaking, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, Ron is right. Okay. Tanya, I'm Rabbi Kiva, B'Shlosh Tavarim, Orbe, Aniyaz, Madiyim. There are three things that I like about the Madiyim, says Rabbi Kiva. This is Kishachot, Kinesah, Basar, when they go and cut the meat, in Chotin, Elagav, Shochan. They do it the right way. Remember, Rava warned his children not to go ahead and cut on their on their hands. So he says, look, they go ahead and they do it the right way. They put it on a cutting board. Kishinoshkin, Enoshkin, Elagavayad. When they go ahead and they kiss someone, they kiss someone on the hand. And Rashi says, this is even before the uh, COVID days, but Rashi says you're much less likely to go ahead and uh, share saliva and put saliva on someone when you kiss their cheek. I'm not sure Rashi's talking about infection, but just talking about the you know, cleanliness and general hygiene. Therefore, it's better to kiss someone on the hand. Uchshayotin, when they go ahead and give advice, and Yoatin elabasada, and specifically not in the house. When they have to have an important conversation with someone, they go to the sada. Rashi is actually the first one to say, Aznaim Lakota. Rashi says here, because the ears have walls. Rashi says, if you think you're in private in your house, Rashi actually says, Aznaim Lakota. So you wonder what, where this comes from. The ears of walls? Rashi says it. Walls of ears. What is it? Ears of walls? Yeah, thank you. That'd be, that'd be unique. That'd be pretty uh, cool to see. So, anyway, right, the walls have ears. So, basically, when they went ahead and they wanted to give important advice, they would do it in the correct way. So, this way, no one would be eavesdropping and listening. As it says in the Pasuk, as it says, what does the Pasuk say? When Yaakov saw, when Lavan was no longer looking favorably upon Yaakov, when the, when the mood has changed and the, uh, the hospitality was not as welcoming, he decided to go and tell his wives it's time to pack up and ship out. And he did that, he purposely brought them to the field, and we see from here that when you have to speak about a very uh, uh, private topic, better to make sure that you are out of earshot of anyone and therefore go into an uh, open field we can see that no one is eavesdropping behind the wall. Weiter. Tanya, Rabbi says there are three things that I really like about the Parsim, three character traits about the Persians. They are very tsanua, they're very modest when it comes to eating. They are also similarly very tsanua when it comes to eat uh, their, their habits uh, in the bathroom. When it comes to Tashmish, marital relations, they are also very tsanua. There are a couple of different possibilities what it means when the tsanua when they eat. Um, some say that it means just that uh, they were always very careful not to overeat and take mod- you know, middle-sized, uh, moderate-sized portions, portions, or not to eat something that would give them an upset stomach. Okay, whatever it means. Also, they covered up their tsoa, their, uh, their feces right away, and they were very tsanua when it came to, um, came to Tashma Shamita. And yet, with all this, it still says... In Yeshaya, Anitzivisi, Lim Kudashai, Kodesh Baruch Hu says, still I singled them out. Um, what does Kudashai mean? I singled them out, I separated them. It means, referring to these, these Persians, Tanir Yosef, Elo Parsim, Hamukudashin, Umizumanim Legehenim. These are those people that still, even with everything that they, they these, po- these positive traits, still ultimately they will go to Gehenim. Okay, so this actually ends the Agadita. We're going to get back now, Amir Hashem, on. Uh, Tuesday, we're going to get back now to uh, the actual Mishnah about uh, about the different Zmanim of the day. I am hopeful for those of us that were at the um, at the Siyum of, of Makos, uh, the Shabbos, uh, early December, Besax was there, and uh, he agreed to give Shiurim uh, regularly for us about once a month. So I think, Be'ezus Hashem, on Thursday, we'll have the Zchus, even though we'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, Besax will give a share on Zoom to us at uh, 8.30 uh, on, on Masechus Brachos, on the in Yana Dioma. So, uh, hopefully everyone can come. We'll maybe this coming again, Thursday. This coming Thursday. Uh, y'all asked him? Tomorrow? Tomorrow? 
No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Wait, Next, he's in Eretz Yisrael. We we said tell him and we mentioned it here before. Okay. Yeah, so did. Tomorrow there is shear. Tomorrow's no shear. No shear. Right. No, no, next Thursday, Emirates Hashem, Rabbi Sachs, Emirates Hashem. I'll verify he's in Israel now. But we'll have a chus. If everyone comes, I guarantee you, you will be uh, mesmerized. Have an amazing day.